Welcome back to Cash Color Canvas Podcast, a high level of conversation. Um, today, we're not in live hip hop daily, as you probably can tell, because you're not watching the show. Um, we're, and we're at, we're, but we are at the studio, and we're doing a special interview today. I have um, my good friend Shanita Penny's on the line. She's CEO of Budding Solutions. Um, she's going to speak to us today about Budding Solutions, um, her new venture, which is Cincy Magazine, which I really want to hear a whole lot about, as well as her work with the MCBA and her feelings on the DC cannabis community. So, without further ado, Shanita, how are you doing today? I'm great. Hi, everybody. Hey, hey. Well, for those who don't know, who is Shanita Penny? The woman, the myth, the legend, right? <laughs> well, I am <laughs> I am a cannabis uh, business professional. I am a cannabis advocate and activist. I'm also a cannabis entrepreneur. Okay. Well, that does kind of sum you up perfectly in a nutshell right there. Um so speak to us about the first time you smoked weed, because actually I never had this conversation with you. Like, how did you actually find yourself towards weed and what was it like when you when you first hit? So I tell this story and I always have to give the disclaimer that I was way too young. Um, I was a freshman in high school. It was spring break and it was, the, you know, an older brother of a friend who had some weed. We, we took it. And it was, it was, it's so comical now because I think about how we didn't want to waste any of it. We didn't know what we were doing, but somehow I was able to, uh, roll that weed up in a backwood and, um, we smoked it. And I mean, it was ugly, but it smoked and I haven't looked back. My first experience was, um, very positive, pleasant, um, everything that you, you know, think it should be and um and literally i have not looked back that's hilarious your first time was a backwood yeah <laughs> so if, for, for, for those who don't know backwoods are serious so she's a professional smoker she uses a backwood for her first time <laughs> it was it was what we had access to and um yeah i think you know it was one of those things where um it was what you saw it was philly blunts it was it was backwards it was I, I definitely saw my older uh family members and friends of the family um smoke top papers but um yeah <laughs> that leaf was everything <laughs> i ain't mad at you all right well go ahead i can't i still to this day have trouble smoking backwards i don't think my my, my lungs nor my throat <laughs> is ready for all that <laughs> yeah, I definitely had to cut back on um on the leaves, and I I, I choose hemp paper for the most part now. All right, that's good, man. I right, well, talk to us about how you turned how you um found cannabis as a career. Like, what led you down towards that career path? Well, back in 2013, I took a trip out to California, and I thought to myself, yeah, I, I love weed so much, I should get paid. And it wasn't quite that easy. Um, the market in California was, was black market, um, and it wasn't pretty. And so when I compared it to, you know, my nine to five and, and not having that heat, it was very easy for me to say, let me, let me slow this down and figure out exactly how I want to get into this industry because it is an industry. Um, you know, legislation is coming. Um, medical programs and, and, and full legalization are on the way. And being a supply chain professional, um, 
I fully understood it, you know, exactly what cannabis was. Um, and it was just like any other consumer product good or, or anything else that you, you know, grow uh, from a seed and, and then distribute. So back in 2013, like I said, I looked around, I decided, you know, a dispensary wasn't my thing. I, I didn't really want to do, um, do the retail thing. Thing, whether it was management or ownership at the time. Um, and then I looked into software because I was um, a project manager for software for a software company. Um, so I looked at the cannabis software a couple years later. So now we're in 2015. And I thought to myself, these are great companies um, from the outside looking in. But do I really want to go to work for someone else? Um, do I really want to um, really kill the game and help them build something um, that I won't have uh, ownership in. And I was already doing my thing consulting. Um, and so I, I said, no, I can't go to work for anyone. And Maryland had just passed um, the medical marijuana bill and the application process was coming and it was going to start any day now. And so I just leveraged my project management skills um, in the cannabis industry. And so I led uh, two sets of clients through the application process for cultivation, um, processing, and dispensary licenses. We submitted 16 applications um, in 2015. So that's how I got started. All right, boss. I hear you. You was doing you was doing major work, man. I definitely uh, definitely applaud that applaud that effort there, because you know when you see something that you love and you see it turn it into a, a industry like we did with cannabis, it's, it's it's important that you get in as quick as possible. Absolutely, absolutely. You can't hesitate, and and so I don't think my first few years were hesitate hesitation. It was you know being smart. It was being strategic, and you know those few years. You you know, growing a, a consulting business independently uh, really positioned me well to come into cannabis. Okay, and um, your company, Budding Solutions, um, explain to us what Budding Solutions is and what exactly does it provide for cannabis entrepreneurs? Solutions. We provide solutions. So one of the things, um, you know, that I thought about when I said I want to be a part of this industry is, you know, the fact that as a software consultant, I went into many industries, um, you know, various clients. And it was always, you know, initially learning the industry or learning the, the company, you know, whether you're talking about their processes, their culture, all of the things that uh, play into that solution that you're delivering. And so for me, cannabis was just that every single state is different. And so you go in, you understand the you know, regulations, you understand the history of cannabis in that state, you, uh, you know, assess the opportunities that are there, and then you strategize. And so, you know, whether a client comes to me and says, hey, we want to, we want to open a dispensary in, in Virginia when the time comes, or if a person says, hey, I have this device, and I want to sell it all over the world. Um, you know, we're able to look at their business and, and offer solutions around um, product development, marketing, um, IT, uh, anything that they need. Okay. All right. That's, well, you're definitely a go-to person. Um, who are some of the brands that you have worked with? 
So I had the pleasure of working with the Juju Royal brand um, as well as Ardent Cannabis and, you know, really two interesting uh, clients for me because they, I took those clients on right after the Maryland application process. So you go through this really, you know, you go through this red tape with this, you know, government application and it's not fun. It's, It's just work. You know, you ultimately will be pleased if your application is successful, but, you know, it can also do a number on you um, in terms of the just the wear and tear physically on your body uh, from working that hard in a short amount of time. Um, and then the stress, the, the, you know, high expectations that aren't always met, um, the lack of transparency in those programs, it really beats you up. So after after working through Maryland for two years, I had the opportunity to join a brand that I could identify with. And the the Juju Royal brand is, you know, a full cannabis line, um, edibles, flour, concentrates, merchandise, including skateboards and T-shirts. but the the family behind it, you know, the the Marley family and, and being able to work um, hands on with Julian as we created, you know, not only the initial products, but then, you know, a couple of years later, um, our proprietary strains. Uh, so that was it was exciting. And it was something that I could really uh, work hard for and, and not feel like I was doing any work. Um, Art and Cannabis is a is a similar situation. The young lady and I uh, were introduced in the industry. And, uh, you know, when you have a, the right people around you, you see things and you tell, you know, you call your friends on it or, or you, you make them aware of things that they just may be overlooking or haven't, you know, experienced before. And so, you know, just hanging out with this young lady who was grinding and building her company the same way I was, you know, we both gave each other a lot of support, encouragement, advice. And so the day when that person comes to you and say, Hey, I need to hire you for something. It's like, Woo, wow. You know, this is my friend first and now they're a client. So it was a lot of fun, um, to work with the, with Ardent Cannabis. Um, Chanel Lindsay is an amazing businesswoman and friend. Um, but she also taught me the, the science of decarboxylation. And, you know, Mecca, it's very important in this industry to, to soak up as much knowledge as you can. And there's so much out here, and it just makes you a more well-rounded, you know, consumer, professional, or, you know, just human being with general knowledge, right? Yeah, really, really is a very important thing. And, um, and shout out to Arden. Arden is a very important company. You know what I mean? Like, like what they what mm-hmm. their product is amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, so, all right, so let's talk about Cincy because that's what got me interested in the first place. Um, when you called me and told me that you was working with them, I was like, all right, cool, because I wanted to talk to you about that. I saw you say it on Instagram, so it's crazy you called me. How did you get involved yeah. with Cincy? You know what? It's, it's, it's a really cool story. So as I was working with the Juju Royal brand out in Denver, uh, Cincy you know, was a part of our, our marketing and our way to connect with the cannabis community. And so we attended the Cincy night and a few months later, so April of last year during the um, Cincy high holiday, we actually launched our proprietary strains. So for me, it made sense to connect with Cincy if you have any kind of product or cannabis business or you want to reach this community. 
and I got to see it in action. I mean, we've, we've done, you know, the company has done, you know, a product launch, uh, a company launch, um, you know, and things like that. So when you take on those costs, right, and hope to reach these people, um, it can be stressful and not as much fun. But to be able to just show up at Cincy Night with your product and thousands of people coming through the door, you know, it, it takes a lot of stress off the, the business owner. Um, and, you know, that business owner is my client. So that was my introduction to Cincy. Um, and then, of course, they had the issue with Wanda James on the cover. I think that was their um, launch issue. And I was just like, wow, okay, I haven't seen this in cannabis before. It wasn't like, oh, diversity, diversity, diversity. It was just Wanda James on the cover. Yeah. You know, not not way on the inside somewhere. And I just and it it I connected with that and I said, Wow, I wanna I wanna know the folks, you know, associated with creating that brand. Um, because I think for me in the industry I've seen so many attempts to be inclusive. They just do it because that's who they are, you know. They don't have to shove it down your throat or try to explain it to you. When you live that, you know, real, recognized, real, mm-hmm. I knew that this was a company I could get with, be a part of. And so, yeah, so I'm rocking out with them in Denver. Um, then I was speaking, I was moderating a panel at a conference in Florida and Cincy Productions, um, they were filming and, and you know, handling media for the conference. And so I just thought, wow, this is good. Nice to see Ron and Tay again. But that night they said, hey, how are things going on? I told them I was working on at um, submitted applications in Pennsylvania. I was waiting to hear back. And, you know, he goes, if that doesn't work out, let's talk about Cincy. And I was like, oh, no, forget <laughs> if that doesn't work out. Let's talk about Cincy. So, you know, I've known Tay, who's the, the president and general counsel for Cincy Media um, for a while. Like I said, I, I met Ron as I was working with the Juju Royal brand. But when I talked to them um, in this context, it was like, hey, we want you to to lead our, our D.C. effort. And I thought, wow, what does that mean? I've never been in media or, or publishing. You want me to be a publisher? And they're like, do exactly what you do. You're a connector. You connect the community. And I was like, yeah, I do. I do. And so that was that's how I was born. And so to, uh, you know, come full circle with this. Oh, by the way, they did a really good video from the conference and I was able to use, you know, shots from it, you know, as I'm advertising and, and marketing for budding solutions. So. It was just one of those things where all of my experience had been positive. I liked the feel of the magazine. I love the events that they do. I like the com- I love the community they built. So, um, you know, I'm excited um, and and proud to you know be able to launch this magazine in D.C. You know, a place that I consider home. Um, you know, the D.M.V. Maryland, D.C. Back in the day, it wasn't as, as as fluid as it is now. It was very distinct. You were either D.C. or Baltimore. But, um, you know, I've always, you know, kicked it in D.C. I have a lot of friends. I have family in D.C. So um, it just feels like home. And so, you know, a few years after jumping into in this industry to be considered a connector, um, 
is it's a huge honor. And so I'm I'm taking this publisher role and, and running with it. Um, we're we're gonna build something really special in DC. Hey, well, I'm definitely proud of you, man. It's a it's a it's huge new um step for you in your career. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Hey, no problem. Um, so DC is a special place when it comes to cannabis. Um, I loved it when I went down there. Uh, you know, my personal feelings was I liked the way the barter system worked. I was like, this is this is like amazing to me. But there's pros and cons to the DC cannabis community. Um, what are what are the pros and the cons to the to the community, and how do you feel like the cons can be corrected? Yeah, you know, like DC is special, and I like. The I like the system, you know, you can gift up to an ounce, you know, um, adults can grow up to six plants in their home. So it makes for um, a true community if that's how people conduct themselves. Um, the problem is the con for me is the illusion of a safe environment. Right. But it's not because you aren't following the the rules. You aren't compliant. And so it feels like, you know, we make progress. And so we have this system that allows us to gift cannabis. I think we should do just that and gift cannabis. Now I understand that people have to eat and there are a number of other industries that are regulated and, and will allow you to make a product and sell it. But that's not the case for, for, for weed right now in the district. And I think, you know, we need to be smarter you know, we can't just shove something in, in, in our legislators and our, our lawmakers um, and our, our law enforcement space. You know, these pop-ups, these businesses that, again, are not compliant. It just makes all the work that we're doing, um, it, it negates it. And, you know, some of that energy that you spend trying to get around the law, it would be better spent changing those, trying to work to change those laws so that we really have an environment where we can thrive. Now, what I do see happening um, are folks that truly are building brands, but doing it, you know, in a compliant manner. So when I see these true nonprofits, you know, doing education and, and having events, and gifting, you know, we, they're building something. And so for me, I have an opportunity as a business professional, as the publisher of Sensi Magazine, right, to bring all of my world together. So I'm going to encourage, you know, folks in D.C. To, to join, you know, the Minority Cannabis Business Association because we are working, you know, on, on policy. And you can get those business resources, right? Cincy is, is building a community in D.C. that's going to be, you know, not only the medical marijuana uh, businesses and consumers, but also those recreational consumers, those folks that are, you know, in that gifting economy right now. Because if we do this right, then we don't have a bunch of companies from California and Colorado rushing in when DC finally has, you know, a, a regulated market for adult sales. What you have, if we do it right, are folks who did it the right way and were patient and now have an opportunity to take that nonprofit and that brand they built and flip it. Now you go wreck. Now you now you have that following and you've been serving the community. You've been connected to this community. You aren't, you know, Mr. Cannabis Company from California coming in trying to connect 
all these years later. Um, and so I, I, I look at it as a huge opportunity. Um, I just want to see people do the right thing because I, I meet so many people that go, oh, yeah, I can go to this pop-up and buy my weed. And I'm like, no, you can't. You, you are running the same risk as going and hitting your man up. But at least y'all were being discreet. Y'all were taking the precautions. Like, I just I just find it crazy that people would play with the law like they do in D.C. I'm going to just be in here with pounds of weed, scales, and a cash box and expect not to get, you know, busted. They calling them raids. I mean, <laughs> they're not having the plot. You advertising. You're doing the same thing in the same spot every week. So... I don't want to beat up on nobody or, or, you know, that kind of thing. I'm here to help. I'm, I'm here with solutions, you know? <laughs> Budding solutions at that, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. So, um, well, talk to us briefly about the um, MCBA, because I know you have a new role over there as well. Oh, yeah. So, for me, the Minority Cannabis Business Association was like a dream come true. When I first got into the industry, um, my lobbying, my advocating, it was going to be half of my clients. I never once, you know, really considered, you know, how much I needed, you know, to be advocating for this for my personal, you know, for myself. And so I started going down to these normal meetings and I, I went to like day with normal, but, you know, they weren't talking about the things that I needed them to be talking about. And so when the Minority Cannabis Business Association was launched in 2016, I joined. Uh, it was, as a matter of fact, it was, it was April 20th. Uh, so they had a huge campaign to, to get members and I joined um, because I knew I wanted to have a group of people and at some point, like, be able to say, hey, I'm working on something here. Let's let's get some folks down to this hearing to testify or, you know, this is what's happening in, in New Jersey. How do we, you know, have an impact there? And I, I needed that, but I knew I wasn't going to get it with some of the other organizations that I had seen so far in the industry. And so... Minority Cannabis Business Association. I joined in April. Uh, by that November, I was on the board, and uh, here we are, um, a year, almost two years later, and I'm, I'm the president of the organization and, and leading a board of diverse and, and really talented uh, leaders in this industry, whether you're talking about advocacy, business, entrepreneurship, um, I mean, it's a it's a board of rock stars, and we're doing some amazing work. Um, I had a run in with the law, um, like I told you earlier. I've been I've been smoking weed since I was fourteen, and I'd never had any issue um, with the law until I was in my thirties. And I mean, well established, career popping. Uh, I didn't need <laughs> this kind of trouble. And I'll never forget getting pulled over in Virginia. And if you know Virginia, you know that is not the place to, to get pulled over. Um, I'm on the side of 95. They're threatening to call the dogs. It's a it's a show, okay? And I was able to get out of it with a ticket to appear in court. And literally within, you know, a very small window of time, I had gone to court. My charges had been dropped. My record was expunged and nobody, you know, at the company I was working for at the time, you know, knew anything, you know, knew anything. And so I, I dodged that bullet. I wasn't going to have to check the box for the rest of my life. I wasn't going to, you know, it, it, it was a, 
situation that was a blessing, but I realized immediately, and as I was going through it, I never took for granted that it was going so smoothly for me because I knew within my own family, you know, what uh, a joint, you know, in your car will do and, and, and what, all of the steps that come after that will do um, to really impede your progress in life. And so the, the Minority Cannabis Business Association, one of the primary things we focus on is social justice. And so, you know, we are working to right the wrongs of the drug war. And so, you know, we are creating model policy that addresses this. We are going out into the community and doing expungement events. We have a really big expungement project that we're working on this year. Um, in addition to that, you know, we're connecting you know, folks interested in being in the industry as well as patients and, and consumers with resources. So whether it's finding a medical provider or, you know, a business, a webinar uh, for business, we are providing those resources to our members and the community. Um, so super excited to, to lead the Minority Cannabis Business Association. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's been an amazing ride so far, and I, I know we're going to just keep killing it. All right. Well, again, congratulations from us. Um, last question for you: Where are we? Uh, what are the next plans for Cincy? Like, what are, what are the plans you have coming up for the for the for the brand? So, Cincy, DC. We are. Our goal is to launch in April. Uh, we are working closely with the folks over at the National Can uh, Cannabis Festival. And so we have uh, a couple of events. Um, February 15th, I will be introducing Cincy to D.C. Um, and then in March, March 17th, uh, we'll be at the National Cannabis Festival uh, party. Uh, and then again, we'll be a sponsor for National Cannabis Festival. But look for the magazine uh, in March or excuse me, in April. All right. I'll be looking out for that. I probably should run into you in D.C. Um, around April as well. Oh, you should. You should absolutely be here. All right, so that's another conversation. We can talk about that offline. Um, I appreciate you coming through and appreciate you chopping up with us today. You know what it is. This is Cash Color Campus Podcast. As always, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Play FM, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. Cash Color Cannabis, a high level of conversation.